What are you building, Star? I'm working on something big. Yeah, I can fly. A man with a dozen of these could rule the world. I'm not gonna let it happen. I want to protect the people I put in harm's way. Welcome to another episode of the House of Cinema podcast. I am Joe Aragon, and in the house today, sadly, our celebration on A24 and A24 April has come to an end, but with every closing door, another door opens, and we are now in May. And in May, we are discussing everything associated with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And with me today, once again, Nate from All Things Reviewed. Nate, how are you feeling today? But more importantly, how are you feeling going into an episode discussing Iron Man 1 and the MCU? Well, I'm happy to be here, Joe. Thanks for having me back again. Um, I'm extremely excited to be talking about... um... Talking about Marvel films, MCU, going into May. Um, I kind of felt burnt out, not going to lie, after Endgame. A lot of hype leading up to that. I really liked that movie. And then I was kind of like, cool, I'm done with this thing. And then I had a whole year, 2020, we all did, without any new Marvel stuff. And I got to 2021, I'm like, damn. Okay, yeah, actually, yeah, I'm not done with that. <laughs> I really would like some more. And so I've been enjoying the shows I'm excited for Black Widow. The nerdy Marvel Marvel streak in me is uh, is coming is coming back out again. And so, yeah, I mean, how how are you feeling going into uh, Marvel month, MCU month? I'm feeling pretty good. You know, like you, I think I was very fatigued by all of it. There was a lot going on, right? Endgame was coming Man. out, and then <laughs> was Far there From a Home lot? <laughs> was coming out. It was just like in our faces every other month. It felt like something big news were coming out, trailers were coming out, posters were coming out. It was. It was a lot, and I enjoyed the ride for most of it, and Endgame, like you said, I enjoyed it. You know, I like the MCU a lot. I think there are some movies I really love, other movies I really don't care about, but I have to respect what Endgame did in the sense for sure. of, you know, what they accomplished, and I, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, really it's hard just, to... It's a great... It, to me, it was a great send-off for my adolescence, like, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, like, I was uh, 10 years old when... Iron Man 1 came out 10 or 11, I can't remember. But it was the perfect age for the movie to come out. I would I loved comics, I loved all the Avengers TV shows and stuff. Saw the first Iron Man, blown away. You get to the end credit scene, I was like, "Holy crap. There other characters are going to be in this? Like it's not just the <laughs> Iron Man movie, just like you know, in Spider-Man it was just Spider-Man and Fantastic 4, it was just Fantastic 4." I guess in Silver Surfer, but we don't talk about those anymore. Um, yeah, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember doing that and walking out of the theater, and that is one of the most electric, elated sensations I've ever felt walking out of a theater because every single person was like, holy crap, Sam Jackson, Nick Fury just showed up. And from that moment on, I was hooked. Like I was always in from you know 10, 10 years old all the way until Endgame, fully invested in these characters and then Endgame happens and it was like uh, this a catharsis that is kind of unmatchable in film in some ways not to like I, I don't I hate overstating the MCU because look they're not the best movies in the world that is so not true and they're not the most important movies in the world either 
but like that investment was just such a huge part of my childhood and now I'm an adult and I was like cool I'm done with it but then not having it for a year I was like yeah okay actually no this <laughs> never leave me again please <laughs> never leave me yes again. well this is an excellent story because you and I were a little bit different in age I'm a little bit older than you so Iron Man mm-hmm. came out when I was a little bit older end of like towards my high school years it came out yeah and but like you, it was still very important to me because superheroes were very important to my adolescence. You know, I had read art, some Iron Man comics, some comic books here and there. But it was great to see it translated to the big screen and done well, which is something that, you know, we hadn't really seen. We've seen with some movies, Spider-Man 2 mm-hmm. and Spider-Man 1. But we have had uh, more stinkers than uh, successful movies up until this point. That's for sure. <laughs> like you mentioned, seeing, you know... Iron Man, and then at the very end, that teaser for you know Nick Fury coming, and he's like, "I want to create a team." That was the, the kind of the first time we'd really experienced this. I mean, most people, where yeah. there was like this objective, this this dream to create this universe and connect everybody. For and sure, could it have failed uh, wildly and nothing came out of it? Of course, but it, you know, obviously, it didn't. So, Endgame is a, an important movie, not just because it's fun to watch, and but like you said, the catharsis, the just that feeling of like. This is what my adolescence is coming to a close. Mm-hmm. It's important for those reasons. So I think it's very fitting that you and I are talking today and starting off May with Iron Man 1. So without further ado, let's jump into it. And now our feature presentation. Iron Man 1 was released May 2nd of 2008. Ironically, as we're recording this, Nate, today is May 2nd of 2021 which oh, I man. did not plan for, and it I'm really excited about right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually incredible. I didn't even think about that. And you know, I did what, not either. That's funny because I watched the original trailer to this before the pod. Mind, uh, and again, I just got to say, amazing trailer. Holy crap. I forgot oh, I how I good that it. trailer was. I got chills watching it, one, because I remember seeing it before movies all you know that I would go see all the time as a kid. I was like, oh, this looks so cool. But it really doesn't give much away at all. And Perfect. it really, like, over half the trailer is just the first 30 minutes of the movie. The rest of it yeah. is, like, flashes of what's to come. And then it plays the Black Sabbath Iron Man. And it's like, okay, yeah, shit's about <laughs> to get real in this, boys. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one thing, kind of just a tangent real quick. I think the one thing that Marvel's done so well is their te- their trailers and teasers have been just spot on always. Give you enough to just get really excited and then just leave you with so many questions that you have to go see it mm-hmm. they never revealed too much well sometimes they deliberately show you things that aren't in the movie <laughs> like in infinity war exactly exactly so uh i haven't watched the iron man trailer yet uh, i mean i've watched it in my past i just haven't recently rewatched it but today is may 2nd as we're recording this this came out may 2nd so how fitting and perfect this is man budget 140 million dollars box office gross 585 million dollars did very well let's go over the cast Robert Downey Jr. plays Tony Stark, Iron Man. Terrence Howard plays James Rhodes. Oh, we'll get into that one in just one second. <laughs> Jeff Bridges plays Obadiah Stane slash the Iron Monger. Gwyneth Paltrow plays Pepper Potts. Uh, I wrote down Sean Tube as uh, Yinsen, the guy mm-hmm. who helps him out in the cave. And I wrote down Paul Bettany as Jarvis. I mean, you could put John Favreau as Happy, which is also very important. Mm-hmm. He appears in many of his own films. Um, anybody in the cast I didn't mention you want to quickly shout out? Yeah, I guess the only one I would say would be uh, Clark Gregg as Phil Coulson, Agent Coulson. Oh, just because uh, yeah. 
he's kind of a big presence in the MCU. You know, he theatrically he's in all of them up until Avengers. You know, when he gets killed off, and then of course he's in Captain Marvel because it takes place in the nineties. But then he got he was kind of so loved he got his own spinoff show, Agents of Shield, which. Is that done? Uh, I watched like the first four seasons back when it was on, but I, I kind of fell done. off of it. It's done I now. It's done. Okay, I'm I wasn't pretty sure, sure. It is now. I know it wasn't. Yeah. It was till like pretty recently. So, yeah, he's a big piece, and I guess you know Sam Jackson. I'll shout him out. Yeah, and Sam Jackson. He's Shazam. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Iron Man has a Rotten Tomato score of critics ninety four percent, audience score of ninety one percent. Consensus, powered by RDJ's vibrant charm. Iron Man turbocharges the superhero genre with a deft intelligence and an infectious sense of humor. Nate, your immediate reaction to these two scores? Uh, yeah, perfect rating. I think um, it's just one of those films that's a, it's an instant crowd pleaser. It does everything a blockbuster film should. It does everything a first film in a series should, whether that be a series of Iron Man films or a cinematic universe. It is just broad enough in its touch to where you can kind of use it as a springboard for anything which is what marvel did um but it's also grounded enough to where it's it's complete it's its own complete story um with like say this was a flop it still would have been a good movie that you could watch and enjoy for forever uh what do you how do you feel about the scores i think they're pretty on point accurate i do have some things to say about the movie now that i've rewatched it in a 2021 lens that we'll probably get into a little bit later Mm -hmm. but overall i mean exactly what you said i probably need to echo it's just perfectly not too broad or there's not too much going on where it's like not focused enough and the pacing Mm -hmm. is an issue uh, but there's just enough there to really use it as a springboard to start a new franchise a new universe um it's fun it's like there's a lot of great things going on with this movie um so i i these scores make sense. It's well beloved. Audience score is pretty reflective of that. So I have really no qualm here. But let's jump into the more you know. I've written down a couple facts here. I think you might have a couple facts ready for me. I do. I'm going to start us off with a, a big one and a story. Okay. And let's talk about the Terrence Howard story. <laughs> First, let me say this I read most of this online from some uh, what I think are well-regarded uh website so if i'm wrong in any any capacity i'm sorry first i want to mention a lot of the reports kept mentioning to taron towers is difficult to work with which uh, again i don't work in the industry i don't know him personally i'm this is what i'm basing off what other people are saying that's an allegation that's out there here's what the the issue primarily revolves around terrence howard i was uh, allegedly offered around 3.5 to 4.5 million dollars to star as Rhodey in the movie. Robert Downey Jr. is offered about $2.5 million to play Tony Stark. Mm. Howard was the bigger paid actor here. He was the one that was sought after more. He's fresh off a, an Oscar nomination for Hustle and Flow. He is the guy that they really wanted. According to Howard, he states that they had a three-film contract with Marvel, and Marvel was supposed to pay him $8 million for a sequel. But allegedly again... Because of his behind-the-screen attitude, he rubbed some people the wrong way, and apparently Marvel only offered him a million dollars to play Rhodey in the sequel, at which point Howard went on the record saying it was a surprise of a lifetime, and he did not accept, and then it was over. But here is the kicker. While Terrence Howard does blame Marvel and Feige and Favreau, he doesn't have the greatest relationship, and maybe that he did rub 
some people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. He really blames Robert Downey Jr. for a lot of it because he mm-hmm. claims that he is the person solely responsible for getting Marvel to hire Robert Downey Jr. According to Terrence Howard, that Marvel found Robert Downey Jr. pretty risky because of his yeah. troubled past. Oh, and for sure. Terrence Howard claims that I was the one who convinced Marvel to give Robert Downey Jr. a chance. I took a million-dollar pay cut. And so Terrence Howard says that when it came to the sequel, he reached out to Robert Downey Jr. and said, hey, man, you got to help me out here. I helped you out. You know, pay it forward. And according to Terrence Howard, Robert Robert Downey Jr. never responded. And um, Marvel has obviously denied this, saying that they were always looking at Robert Downey Jr. But this is what Terrence Howard has said. And that is the short-lived role as Terrence Howard as Rhodey. Yeah, I, I definitely remember the behind-the-scenes stuff and a lot of some of the other those elements. I di- had never read about Terrence Howard saying that he's the one that got Robert Downey Jr. on board. That's wild, because like, Feige always says him and Favreau, like, they were like, oh, yeah, it was basically... He was one of the... He walked into the audition, and that's who we wanted. I mean, yeah, Marvel has denied it, but this is what uh, Terrence himself has gone on the record to say that it was him who got it uh got downy the role so i will say um people being hard to work with marvel does has shown and if you're hard to work with they're gonna cut you out because uh, yes. they did the same yes, thing yes. with edward norton so <laughs> yep and you know not to say that howard himself probably is hard to work with but marvel themselves is probably notoriously hard to work with as well so it's probably a little bit of both yeah, that uh for sure didn't lead to him being in the sequel but it is something that is very interesting about this movie is it's obviously Don Cheadle then gets picked up from Iron Man 2 and was just in Falcon and Winter Soldier. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I love Don Cheadle. It would have been an interesting world to see Terrence Howard continue as. Oh, yeah. War I mean, Machine. his whole his whole his whole career would have been completely different because, I mean, you think about oh, it, he completely. goes on to do power and is it Empire or power? He does. He does em- Empire. 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 That's right. I'm sorry. I get it too confused. Yeah, he goes on to do Empire, and like I'm pretty sure he wins or at least gets nominated for some Emmys for that. So like, I wonder if he even is able to take a project like that while being in a Marvel film. Because I'll be honest, sometimes like these actors don't take risky roles or more adult roles while they're you know yeah, playing a yeah. Marvel hero. Because I guess Robert Downey did Tropic Thunder in the same year, but that had already filmed before <laughs> Iron Man. Came yeah, out, yeah, so, it was before like, it came out. You know. Yeah. Once he became Iron Man, he basically did the two Sherlock Holmes films and like a comedy here or there and nothing else. And yeah, so... the image is very important to Marvel and Disney mm-hmm. that you maintain that image for the duration that you're that hero. So I don't yeah. know if, you know, Howard would have jumped into Empire or done anything risky or even, you know, dedicated his time to doing a show like that. But yeah, his career would be totally different if we had had Terrence Howard as a war machine for, for the sure. last, you know, 10, 15 years. But that is probably the most interesting fact that I could find. Um, right. What's another fact that you want to you wanna tell us about? Well, I got one, and um, it's one that I find really interesting. Paul Bettany is actually kind of one of my favorite actors just because he was in A Knight's Tale, which I saw really young, and he was hilarious in that. Love it. So um, I, as a kid, I recognized his voice as Jarvis. Uh, it's very recognizable. I knew, who, I knew who he was. I was aware, and like... I thought it was cool that the guy from A Knight's Tale was an Iron Man. But I read that uh, Paul Bettany has actually never seen the first Iron Man and is totally <laughs> unfamiliar with what happens. Wow. And this is what this is what he said. He said, Jarvis was the easiest job ever. And it felt like robbery uh, because he only worked <laughs> for two hours and got paid a ton of money. And then he went on vacation with his wife, Jennifer Connelly, 
which who ironically then would voice the AI in Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, and oh, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he did it as a favor to Jon Favreau because they had worked together before um, and Favreau just needed a nice, you know, like smooth voice for Jarvis. And he's like, yeah, I'll just, I'll do that. And um, this is like kind of a daisy chain effect because after this, Bettany's career really kind of took a little bit of a dip. He was trying to be a leading man. It wasn't happening. Um, and he tells this story where basically Hollywood... Uh, he got out of a meeting with an executive and an executive said, your career in Hollywood's over. No one's going to cast you in a big film like ever, ever again. And so he was like, wow, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he said he was literally like sitting down on a curb. And then um, Joss Whedon, who sucks uh, as a human being, but Joss Whedon <laughs> called him asking if he wanted to be Jarvis in the uh, Age of Ultron or not Jarvis, uh, Vision in Age of Ultron. So that led to him, you know, having a face presence in the MCU and have now having uh, his own TV show uh, and with WandaVision and uh, of course then from there he's now a bigger actor again acting in a lot of other movies so very very interesting that this one-time favor he did for a friend <laughs> led to that so I love this story and I always forget about this story so I'm glad you brought it up because I remember I think I, see, I saw an interview maybe online with him telling the story about how yeah, that's crazy that someone tell him you're done in Hollywood, and the next mm-hmm. phone call you get is like, "Hey, uh, you want to play Vision in the MCU?" and totally just turns his career. Not that his career was going backwards, but like you said, it was kind of in a slump, and a little bit of a dip. And mm-hmm. I mean, WandaVision was excellent, and he was oh, yeah. excellent in WandaVision. So absolutely, I mean, he's he's definitely going to be a part of the MCU for I'm sure as long as you know they, they oh, keep for him sure. around. And he's you know he's been in other things too because of this. He was the villain in Solo, Star Wars story, which is madly oh, underappreciated. Right. Right. I really like that. And of course, money wise, I'm sure he's doing quite okay. Um, <laughs> I think he's doing okay. I think he's doing okay. There are a lot of interesting facts about Iron Man and the MCU in general. We could spend all day on it, but let's jump yeah. into. Some of our favorite moments and scene from the movie. All right. I'm going to have you start us off. I always start us off, but today you're the guest. Start us off. What's your, one of your favorite moments from Iron Man 1 you want to talk about? Okay. So my favorite scene, I think, I guess it would be longer than a full scene, but it's the entire uh, uh, Tony Stark in captivity um, building his suit. What the hell did you do to me? What I did? What I did is to save your life. I removed all the shrapnel I could. There's a lot left that is headed into your atrial septum. Here, wanna see? I have a souvenir. Take a look. I've seen many wounds like that in my village. We call them the walking dead. Because it takes about a week for the barbs to reach the vital organs. What is this? That is an electromagnet hooked up to a car battery. And it's keeping the shrapnel from entering your heart. It's exactly what I have in my notes. Really? <laughs> the entire well, cave you know, building scene. The entire cave section. Because I'll be honest, it's a really bold choice to start the movie with something that dark really quickly. Because, I mean, you know, we're still, we're coming right out of, this is very much a reactionary film to the Bush presidency um, and the invasion, of the uh, U.S. invasion of the Middle East. Um, and all the stuff that was going over there. And this film is very much a critique of that um, and that era. And it's, so it's very interesting to be like, hey, we're going to try and start the biggest franchise of all time. And we're going to talk about this first. <laughs> first and foremost in our blockbuster film. But it's so well handled. 
Yeah, just uh, the the way the whole section is shot is just really grounded, really authentic. It doesn't look a lot like Marvel films do now, where they just basically shoot on green screens as opposed to yeah. shooting in practical sets. The film is very practical, and the action in that scene is great with him in the Mark One suit with the flamethrowers exploding all the Stark weapons. It's awesome. Uh, I love Yinsen and Tony's dialogue back and forth. You really get to the core of Tony's character and he gets taken down all the way to the bottom. So then the rest of the film is him finding a way to build himself back up in that moment when Yinsen is killed and he tells Stark to like, don't waste your life. Like that's such a perfect setup for the film going forward. Yeah. And I just, I really love that scene, that whole section really. So uh, what, how do you feel about the opening? Well, like I said, it's the very first point I have in my favorite moments, favorite scene. <laughs> the entire cave hostage situation. I-, I love it for all the reasons you just said. It's basically basically hit every bullet point in my notes, which is perfect. Um, <laughs> I didn't even think about the, the political reaction aspect of, you know, the Bush era and, and the invasion of the Middle East, which I think mm-hmm. you're 100% right. I mean, which I love about this movie because it's not like... It's very subtle, but still very obviously present. Uh, it's yeah. not in your face, like trying to make this uh, political statement. But clearly, there is some subtext to it that is very important. Yeah, and um, I really do love that about this scene. I love what you mentioned earlier as well. This to me is like the top tier on how you do an origin story in terms of a superhero. It's basically the template. I, I would point to this almost over any other comic book origin film. I think I would too. I mean, geez, off the top of my head, I can't really think of. There's a bunch of origin stories out there, but this particular one I think is is top tier and and just like you like said, template because it does a good job establishing Tony Stark as a prick, you know, an arrogant asshole to be frank. And <laughs> yeah, and then no it kidding. puts him in a cave and a hostage, and we see kind of his true character come out where he's you know a lot more caring. And mm-hmm. he's obviously very intelligent, which we see him building this Mark One suit in a in a cave. Yeah. You know, we see his courage in, in taking on the people. But like, but most importantly, we see the first like signs of his soft side, his caring side with mm-hmm. Yinsen. And uh, you're right; it just sets it up so perfectly for the rest of the movie on like what we're trying to establish here. And I love, I just love everything about this scene. I do like the dialogue between him and Yinsen a lot. Yinsen. Uh, a very short-lived character, but a very powerful character. I'm sad we don't see more of him. Do we see more of him in the MCU? I feel like we uh, We see don't. him in Iron Man 3 in the opening, but that's it. Though. Oh, okay, and that's it. Because okay. that's the scene, like, because he talks about, like, you met me one time before and you blew me oh, off. Oh, yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. Okay. But besides that, I'm, I'm sad we don't see him more because, I, I, you know, the short time we had with him obviously affects Tony a lot. And I, I just love that scene for that moment, for all those things. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought it up. The other scene I have written down, uh, I'm going to also mention when Iron Man flies to Golmira to save all the citizens of Golmira yes, from the hostage situation. Yes. I mean, this is the first Iron Man moment in Iron Man, which is kind of crazy to think about because I feel like this is like almost an hour into the movie and it's the first time we're seeing Yeah, him I feel in like it's suit. longer than an hour, honestly. Yeah, it might like be. It might be. The Mark III, right? Yeah, the Mark III where he flies there and this is the first time we're seeing it in action and not mm-hmm. just like him flying around i mean it's like full-blown him flying him you know shooting his uh laser the iconic tank missile (laughs) the tank missile scene i really like the point where all the hostage guys like holding someone else differently Mm -hmm. and they're like all screaming at him and he does like the thing where they target all the heads and he shoots all of them in the head yes (laughs) this just it's so it's just so cool and there's really not much to say besides 
it's just cool. And sometimes that's all you need to say. Like, I don't need to say yeah. something deeply profound about this moment. No. I just like that it's the first time we're seeing it in action. And Yeah, we're in pleasure principle territory at this point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, I think this is an important part in, in any comic book history or origin story. When we first see the hero in action, I feel like a lot of movies have just failed us in that category. Yes. I mean, we weren't disappointed the first time seeing Iron Man. And it really ends it with that like tank moment, which is just iconic. Walking away in with the music blaring. Yes. It's like, oh, yes. That's <laughs> the best thing ever. <laughs> I just love it. It's just so cool. And so that's why I just, I feel like I had to bring it up because to me, it's one of the most memorable. I mean, MCU is filled with hundreds of fight scenes and, and origin moments, but I feel like to me, this is the most memorable moment in an origin story sometimes in terms of action. I'm going to be honest. Like, so. There are so many MCU action scenes, like literally hundreds, I feel like, yeah. at this point. Oh, yeah. And so to remember a specific action scene in that, in so many films, in so many you know moments, it, it's hard to remember specific things. They all just kind of start running together. Yes, this is yep. one of maybe like the five action scenes in all of Marvel where I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember the, the, the crowd reacting to this moment exactly. Like when he shoots the tank and the tank explodes and he walks away, it the crowd just erupted. <laughs> it was like an explosion in the audience. Now, I know it was like that in Endgame too, but like, I mean, as a 10-year-old, I'm like, I had never experienced a crowd react that way. Like, I mean, I had had him react in the Spider-Man films and the Pirates of the Caribbean films or Star Wars, the prequels, something like that, but like nothing to that level. And like I said, it's just pure ple- pleasure principle. It's just fun to see your heroes kick ass and yep. save people. And that's the important part, saving people, which I feel like yes, a lot yeah. of comic book films miss looking at most of Zack Snyder's comic book films, although <laughs> I liked the Snyder cut, ironically, of Justice League. But as they just, they simply kill the bad guys or injure the bad guys. There's no focus put on saving citizens, checking on if they're okay. And there's an explicit... Mm-hmm. Uh, moment set aside for Tony Stark to do that and it also is impactful because he was like this is something that happened to Jensen's family like he's thinking about that in that moment and that's present in your mind and so so many comic book films are just like they too committed to the dour tone and it's just not fun enough like this is a moment that combines a little bit of emotion but is also just this is kick-ass it's so great any other scenes you want to mention before we move on um I gotta, we got to talk about the ending, man. we got to talk about the final scene. There's been speculation that I was involved in the events that occurred on the freeway and the rooftop. I'm sorry, so, Mr. Stark, but do you honestly expect us to believe that that was a bodyguard in a suit that conveniently appeared despite the fact that... I know that it's confusing. It is one thing to question the official story and another thing entirely to make wild accusations or insinuate that I'm uh, a superhero. I so, never said so you were a superhero. Didn't? Mm-mm. Well, good, because that would be outlandish and... Uh, Fantastic. I, I, I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly, with this uh, laundry list of character defects, all the mistakes I've made, largely public. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The truth is, I am Iron Man. But this moment in particular, that press conference scene uh, leading into the credits, is just incredible. One, Robert Downey Jr. 
kills it. He's so charismatic. He's hilarious. He talks to Coulson. He, you know, he's like, all right, I got to say I was on a yacht. I got to say, but yada, yada, yada. Iron Man is my protector, which is what the comics were. Iron Man was his protector. You know, it, it was, he still had a secret identity. And this moment is very interesting because, and I was researching too, just because I like this scene, looking up things about it. The I, I am Iron Man line was totally ad-libbed by Robert Downey Jr., but it had to be approved by Kevin Feige. Like they filmed it and they filmed the ad-lib moment with the reaction of the audience and everything. But Feige had to approve it before they use it in the final cut of the film because it goes against what the comics say and would set a tone for the rest of the universe. And Feige was like, you know what? I really like this. And so this decision is leads to pretty much every major superhero in the Marvel Universe not having a secret identity. Like everybody knows who the real identities of these people are except for basically peter parker because he's still a kid everybody else's identities are known that ad lib of robert Downey jr basically changed the course of the mcu and it's also just a great scene like i am iron man and then the music cuts in and it's black sabbath's iron man like oh my god the chills like i get chills talking about it what how did you feel in the theater like when you saw that i was pretty impressed now my knowledge of iron man come comic books wasn't super extensive so my yeah. knowledge of knowing you know whether or not he disclosed his identity or not i didn't i didn't know so to me when i saw it it was just a really cool moment of him owning up to who he is and that's something mm-hmm. we just it's just rare in comic books in general i mean how many other movies prior to this did we see superheroes I mean, just saying Raimi's like, spider-man trilogy was literally based around the fact that he couldn't tell people who he was that's like the main thing in every single movie <laughs> and like batman it's the same like yeah superman batman spider-man it's always been like gotta keep your identity a secret you gotta keep it a secret so to see a huge movie end on a note of i am iron man it was just so different and it's done and executed so perfectly it doesn't doesn't feel like anybody could have done it the way robert downey jr has done it we'll get to that in a second as well yeah um but it's just the perfect send-off for the movie, and I love how much it shapes how the MCU is going to be handled. Totally. And it, it's that important. I, I just love that moment as well, so I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> but there are a lot of great scenes in the movie besides the ones we talked about. Let's try to move on. At this point, we're typically addressing maybe the flaws of the movie. Instead, I'm just going to ask you, low-tier, mid-tier, or top-tier, where does Iron Man sit in the MCU franchise and why? Iron Man 1 is top tier MCU for me for a couple reasons. Uh, One is just personal because it's the first one. And as again, I'm going back to as a kid, I got to be a little subjective in this. That's fine. (laughs) Uh, fine. Like the memory of it is perfect. And every time I go to it, I'm totally enraptured by it. It holds up. The special effects, again, I think they look better than most of them. And obviously the movies, movies aren't all about special effects. But I think the plot is it's really efficient. It's really well handled. The characters are really fleshed out. Everybody is casted perfectly. I even like Terrence Howard in the role. It He's very charming in the film, and it's not too jarring for me to go from Don Cheadle, who I do prefer as War Machine, but I, I think Terrence Howard's good, and the banter between every character is great, um, and it's just Robert Downey Jr. flexing, really, and he I think he's at his most <laughs> eager to prove himself in this film for a good reason. Because, you know, he had just come out of a huge, you know, low point in his life and for the first time was clean for a significant amount of time. And he's like, look, I'm trying to prove that I am a movie star still. Like, he's in his 40s. It was a huge risk for them to cast him. And, um, yeah, it just holds up well. And I think in terms of just being its own film and 
being an effective uh, story and effective blockbuster, both crowd pleaser and an effective jumping off point. I don't, I'm not sure it gets too much better than that. And I, I know later we're going to talk about it, our rankings a little bit. But um, yeah, for me, this is very high up there. So I feel like it is also top tier. I think it's on the lower end of the top tier, but it is still top tier. That's totally tier. fair. I, yeah. I don't I would, think... I would agree. I mean, gosh, I'm not going to go through all... We can't go through all 23 movies and label them right now, but I do think <laughs> it is for sure top tier. Come on, you don't, you don't think it's end. as good as uh, Door of the Dark World? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty close, I think. Uh, no, no, no. Iron Man 1 is definitely top tier. I do think it's lower end of top tier. I think going into this podcast prior to rewatching this movie, I thought to myself, this is like top tier top tier like top top and then i rewatched mm-hmm. it and i'm feeling a little bit like it fell down my rankings just slightly okay um interesting and it's mainly because i do think that some parts of this movie have aged a little poorly with okay. my 2021 lens i do think there are certain parts where i do not think that they will mc will ever do again sure and i'm specifically hinting at uh tony's one night stand with the reporter and, which I don't think we'll ever see again in the MCU. Uh, something no. like that. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of jokes around that particular relationship that I, you know, not that I'm not uncomfortable with it, but they do seem a little bit like, ooh, in 2021, I don't <laughs> think they would say those things because yeah, well, they're a little bit it more is aware. Definitely, yeah, it's a little more of an adult film. And I guess that's why I continue to like it a lot, just because like, yeah. as I get older, I understand more. And yes. so, oh, yeah, yeah. It it is arguably like the most adult Marvel MCU film, and it's because you know there wasn't a template yet. This is a Paramount film, like it mm-hmm, Paramount mm-hmm. distributed. This isn't a Disney film. Marvel was still its own entity at that point, and Paramount yeah. was the distributor. So they were taking a lot of risks, and I don't know. I, I like the tone, and but I do agree there are some things that, in the context of the rest of the franchise, are like, huh, yeah, well, people just don't talk like that in this series anymore yes yeah yeah and and that's a really good point to make that there for sure wasn't a template yet and i mean even like uh just him them drinking getting drunk on the plane together which i i loved i thought it was hilarious oh yeah will this ever happen again i don't think we'll ever see this like i miss i miss you i miss that you know and and i get it as you get more popular with the younger generation i mean is this is the most popular franchise of all time i I believe it's just in terms of cultural reson- relevance right now, it has definitely passed Star Wars. Yeah. Um, oh, and yeah. So, yeah. like, I mean, you can't walk to a, a walk up to a person on the street and they don't know who the Guardians of the Galaxy are, let alone Iron Man. Like, and the, Gar- yeah. the Guardians of the Galaxy are people that like no one knew who they were, not even comic book fans. And so, you yeah, know, this is yeah. the biggest franchise. And so, you know, I understand they got to play a little safer because they know so many kids are watching. But man, I, I miss like. I miss it being more of an adult drama, honestly, adult action comedy of like the 90s, pretty much is really what it is. Besides the few like slightly troubling quotes about a, a particular woman, um, you know, yeah, the, that, the that, that was, yeah, <laughs> that was not good. <laughs> yeah. That, like there are some things that he said about her, like he joked about, I'm like, oh, it doesn't really kind of rubs me the wrong way. But other than that, like. I agree with you. Like the fact that they both get drunk on the plane, it just feels a little bit more, not that it's adult, but just like more mature in the sense that like these characters would do that. You know, he would do that because he's Tony Stark and mm-hmm. alcohol's around. You can't ignore the fact that alcohol's around. Um, yeah. So I, but I get it. They, they have to, and, you know, he is a sleazy a guy to start the film too. So exactly, when they make exactly. those sleazy comments, it's like, yeah, it's bad, but they're like, yeah, you should, 
you shouldn't say that. <laughs> like, he, he is a bad person. Per- and it perfectly captures who he is, a sleazy, arrogant guy. And I think mm-hmm. that I totally understand why they did it. It's just it's just mm-hmm. funny to, like, think about it now. Like, I don't think they would ever have him say <laughs> yeah. anything remotely close to that in any future yeah. movies. I mean, I know no. he's now long yeah, gone, exactly. but uh, I don't think they would have ever gone that route again. It's just funny to think about. Other than that, though... I think it has aged a little bit, but not in a bad way. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's just age, which is normal. I mean, it's 2008. They make yeah. a MySpace reference. Uh, Tony's phone is yeah. super old. It's the just MySpace like funny to reference. I totally forgot about that what, before <laughs> I watched the trailer. And he goes, oh, don't want to see this on your MySpace. Please, no gang signs. I'm like, did this man just say MySpace? <laughs> <laughs> <He did>. like, <laughs> yeah, that's a, uh, I mean, the movie has aged a little bit, but not like I said, not in a terrible way. I still think it's, top tier mcu by far i just think there's a few other mcu movies i like a little bit more but it, yeah by it by far is one of the best ones so so we've established where it belongs in the tier list some some people may disagree and that's fine but let's jump into some uh, a little bit more fun questions i prepared for you nate question what kind of bear is best that's a ridiculous question false black bear nate let me ask you this Jeff Bridges or Mickey Rourke, who do you forget more is in the MCU? Okay, so Jeff Bridges is actually good in this movie. He is very good um, in this movie. However, because he is good and because he's only in this movie, I forget he's in it more than I do Mickey Rourke because Mickey Rourke is so god-awful <laughs> in Iron Man 2. His whiplash is so bad that I remember it for being like the worst villain in Marvel. <laughs> Um, maybe outside irony. of whoever, oh my God, was it like Malekith or something in Thor the Dark World? God, I oh, hate that I, too. I hate that I even remembered his name, if that's right. <laughs> I actually I hope I, I hope I got it wrong because I couldn't even tell you. I don't remember who it is. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, I forget Jeff Bridges is mostly because he's bald, doesn't really look like Jeff Bridges. And, yeah. um, yeah, Mickey Rourke is just so bad. His badness stands out more in my mind. So, okay. Bonus person. Guy Pierce is he more forgettable than either of these two? Oh shit, I forgot it was Guy. You know what? Maybe him because I, I <laughs> forgot he was in it until right now. So as Aldrich <laughs> Killian in Iron Man Three, I am the true Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> um, your favorite Iron Man quote in the movie is okay. It's got to be "I am Iron Man." <laughs> like okay, oh that's fair. That's, that's my fair. favorite one. But besides that one, because we already talked about it, and it's a little cliche. Uh, because it comes back into play with Endgame, which is probably why I like it so much, because it's the perfect circle that they bring it back to. But um, I like two. Uh, one other Iron Man quote I really like is when he's taking the suit off and Pepper Potts catches him, and there's just like a little pause, and he's just he looks around, and he's like, all right, well, there's no getting out of this. He goes, let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've got me doing. <laughs> and it's just so funny the way he delivers it because he's like, yeah, I've done some really heinous stuff in my life. And the fact that I'm in a weaponized suit with bullet holes in it is probably better than some things that Pepper has seen me do. That's a it's good one. That's funny. a good one. Yeah. What about you? I think hands down my favorite quote in this whole movie, which is, I guess has kind of been memefied now, but it's definitely when Obadiah goes... Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> Hands down, my favorite quote in the whole movie. I feel like, well, sir, I'm not Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's such a like Jeff Bridges moment. It feels like 
John Favreau's like, all right, Jeff Bridges, just just be you, just just deliver it, and this is what we mm-hmm. got. And he's like, all right, good. Next scene, we're good to go. And I I just love it. It's so over the top. It's out of nowhere. Yeah. I've seen it like trending on social media a little bit because people are like reenacting. It's a great it, meme I, moment. Yeah, it is just by far one of my favorite moments in the movie. Yeah. I feel like I'll I'll try to like replace words with it in my like real life yeah. conversations <laughs> to try to make it work. It's not as funny, but it still works pretty good. No, it's a good quote. I will say, I do remember uh, when I saw it in theaters, one of the quotes that got the biggest reaction was when Pepper's introduced in the film. And it's after Tony has his one night stand with oh, the yes, reporter. Yes, yes. And she's like, oh, you must be the famous Pepper Potts. And, you know, she's trying to check Pepper, basically. And Pepper's yeah. like, oh, yeah, you know, sometimes uh, he has me do his laundry or, in this case, taking out the trash. And it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like everybody in the theater was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I know. I think even yeah. when I was watching this movie, I was like making something to eat and I wasn't even looking at the screen. My fiance's in the kitchen. And we heard that quote. And we both like looked up and laughed like, oh, shit. Like that's such, like, a, <laughs> such a bird. But uh, that's Yeah, a really that's a great line. Well. <laughs> pepper pepper is never better than she is in this film and oh that's yeah mainly oh, because yeah. that gwyneth paltrow stopped caring about acting shortly after this film but yeah <laughs> she's gotta focus on goop nate goop yeah it's more important the goop. oh yeah the <laughs> vagina smelling scented candles the best product of all like <laughs> oh boy. we don't need to get that's off a... on a goop tangent that's no goop the tangents. whole rabbit hole <laughs> i couldn't even explain what goop is besides what you said right now so other than that i don't know what goop is but uh somehow it's worth right. a ton of money <laughs> Somehow it is, and she's making millions, but uh, yeah, we'll have a Goop podcast later. My last question for you. If you're trapped in a cave for three months and you get out, what's the first fast food place you're going to? Uh, Definitely not a Burger King. Definitely not a Burger King at all. That's like the last place I'm going to. I'll say that. Yeah, so there is a funny fact with that, but I'll answer the question first. First fast food place I'm probably going to is Taco De- Taco Bell. It's just my favorite. And, you okay, know, if I'm okay. coming from a cave, I probably don't have a lot of money on me. And it's Taco true, Bell true. is the only place I can get full off the dollar menu. Whereas <laughs> McDonald's dollar menu is some cheeks. It sucks. There's nothing of value on that dollar menu anymore. <laughs> They've totally made it suck. They used to be awesome. What's the order at Taco Bell then? Well, currently they have like a beef, rice, and cheese burrito. Really like okay, that. Okay. They've got a little chipotle sauce in there. And they also have a potato, nachos, like rice, oh, yeah, yeah, beef, yeah. bean burrito for a dollar. I'm like, yes, that's amazing. <laughs> they also have the, the chicken roll-ups, which is basically Oh, I love just those a, things. Yeah, they're like a chicken quesadilla, basically. Yeah. But except instead of $6, it's $1. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, there you go. Okay, Taco Bell. Good choice, good choice. But yeah, so... With the Burger King, though, and I, the reason why, at least according to IMDb, maybe it's not true, but um, the reason why they chose Burger King is because Robert Downey Jr. in 2003, when he was at his lowest point, he said he had he was driving around, he had a truck full of drugs in his car. Like, he was, you know, really, really off the deep end at this point, and um, he had, like, enough drugs in the car to where he would have gone to prison for an extremely long time. <laughs> And yeah. um, he said he went to Burger King and had a burger that was so gross that <laughs> it literally made him rethink his entire life. And oh, for the first God. time, he was like, what am I doing? Like, literally, what am I doing? And he said he went to a pier, dumped all the drugs in the car. And like, from that moment on, like, of course, you know, he um, he, he got clean after that. And so wow. because the Burger King burger was so terrible, <laughs> he changed his whole life around. And so... 
it, it's funny that uh, it was a choice for them to choose Burger King because it was important to him. And uh, Burger King also ended up having the toys for the film, which is funny. Yeah, I'm sure Burger King was hyped, but not hyped about the backstory to it. Um, <laughs> I can't say that I've had terrible burgers at Burger King. I, that would not be my first choice to go to. After yeah, being what's in your cave. first choice? Um, I feel like I'd have to choose something along the lines of like uh, fast food. I can't. I don't want to choose anything like too top tier, but mm-hmm. I'd probably pick like. I'd choose McDonald's. I would. I'd probably get McDonald's. I think. No, okay. if I want a burger, I'd probably choose like Carl's Jr. or, or Hardee's, mm. as they call it in other states, I believe. Yeah, that's what um, it's called here. Is it Hardee's over there? Oh, yeah, it's Carl's Hardee's. Jr. here. Um, I'd probably go there. Their burgers are pretty good. I think those are pretty. I'd get like yeah. a double Western bacon cheeseburger from there. Yeah. If I was a, if I was in a cave up north, I'd choose Tim Hortons. Uh, that's oh, the best. Oh, but, uh, okay, okay. There are no Tim Hortons here, and I'm not a big Dunkin' fan. So. All right. Let's move to a category I call role reversal. In this category, we're going to talk about actors who potentially could have played certain characters. And for this particular episode, obviously, let's talk about the actors who could potentially have played Iron Man besides Mm. Robert Downey Jr. Here we go. Per internet research. Again, per internet research. So whether or not this is true or not, I don't know. But according to the internet... The two people who are very close to getting the role, besides Robert Downey Jr., Tom Cruise and Sam Rockwell. And then the following people were all considered. Hugh Jackman, Clive Owen, Timothy Oliphant, and Nicolas Cage were all potentially (laughs) considered in the role of Iron Man. So, Nate, let's address first Tom Cruise, Sam Rockwell, the two people who are very close to getting the role. Tom Cruise, apparently the closest. Okay, so Cruise is the closest? Cruise is the closest. Apparently, he turned okay. it down. All right. Well, if Tom Cruise was Iron Man, Tom Cruise would have requested that the suit be a suit that can't fly, so he has to run everywhere really fast. <laughs> um, so there would be no flying in the MCU, and that would be a very interesting <laughs> choice. Uh, he probably would have also demanded that Iron Man be converted to Scientology, you know? <laughs> and so he would have brought that vibe to it, you know? Uh, yeah, obviously, yeah. I'm playing, but I might as well continue the joke. And so, yeah, so with no flying in the MCU and, you know, like, he's just running everywhere, I just don't think it'd be as fun, you know? I don't think it'd be as fun. I don't think so I don't think so. Either that or he'd go eyes wide shut, Tom Cruise, and, yeah, I don't don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) But if, let's say Tom Cruise actually gets the role of Iron Man, let's say they make him fly, does he he have enough charm, enough charisma to pull it off, you think? Um, I mean, he's a charm machine, and I, yeah, I and yeah. in all seriousness, uh, outside of the memes, Tom Cruise is a great actor, and I do love Tom Cruise in movies. Same, I just same. do not see him as Iron Man at all, honestly. Yeah. I, I really I don't. don't either. He's too genuine a person. He's too earnest on screen. I don't want to say genuine, <laughs> but like he's too <laughs> earnest a presence on screen. It's very yeah. hard for me to believe him as anything other than what he is on yeah. screen and whether that's a villain say in collateral which is really great or somebody like jerry Maguire, it's, it's kind of hard to be like or you know or like eyes wide shut where he's you know a person in turmoil mentally and like that's all he is though you know it, there yeah, isn't yeah. a lot of layers to it so i, I don't know I, I don't see that working what do you think what would you would you have been all in with iron man if he was tom cruise or do you <sighs> even think that the mcu would have worked i don't think so and I know this is easy to say because we have had it in game in a very successful MCU, but I, I don't think so. Like you, I enjoy basically everything that Tom Cruise is in nowadays. There's some stinkers here and there, but most of them I'm like, I'm down. 
I'm enjoying them. I like what he's doing. And obviously he's done a lot for movies in general. I just don't think he could have pulled off Iron Man. You know, he, like you said, jokingly, he would uh, not want him to fly. I think that in some serious reality, he would have like wanted an actual suit so he could try it himself. <laughs> That's a good point. He's like, actually build me an Iron Man suit and yeah. I'll fly for real. That's, That's a better, you know what? Wanted. That's better. That's better. <laughs> He probably that's what he was like. Hey, uh, if you guys build the Iron Man suit, I'll do it because he wants to like get crazy with it. Yeah. Um. You know, I just think that he is charming, but I couldn't even think of a role just off like the top of my head that is even similar to the no. arrogant, charismatic that is uh, Tony Stark. So I just don't think it'd work. In terms of everybody else, Rockwell, Jackman, Clive Owen, Timothy mm-hmm. Oliphant, Nicolas Cage. Thoughts on any of those? Sam Rockwell is just a the worst possible choice and this is oh, someone yeah. who likes sam rockwell as an actor seriously oh yeah me too wh- what the hell is that i i <laughs> that is the stupidest thing i've ever heard and if you saw iron man 2 you'd understand why he could never ever 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 pull off i know tony stark it makes about. no sense to me so we're just gonna leave it at that the other actors i'm sure they would would do fine clive owen is a great actor but he's british and his american accent is pretty bad in every movie he's played an american so that wouldn't have worked timothy oliphant uh very interesting very serious i don't think he would have had the quippiness necessary so really i'm kind of just blowing through that because i want i want to talk about cage nick cage okay nick cage okay okay um nick cage uh is he the greatest actor of our generation maybe not but he's certainly (laughs) he's certainly the actor that goes for it the most oh yeah and so You know, even more than Tom Cruise with the stunts, I really think that Nick Cage would have been an amazing choice for Iron Man. I'm saying this jokingly, but also serious. I would watch the hell out of Iron Man with Nick Cage in it. I as well. Because this is right off Nick Cage. He's coming off the action peak of the early 2000s. He just had two National Treasure films, which bang, by the way. Anybody that hates on those films just needs to get out. (laughs) Look, he's a bit old. He's a bit bald. But... He's just so crazy that I know he's going to take his mask off and it's just going to be a callback to taking his face off. <laughs> I want to take my mask off. Oh, I am. Yes. <laughs> I am Iron Man, guys. Come on. Oh, like Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I just would have been, he probably would have snorted cocaine before every take downed like a whole <laughs> thing of Jack Daniels just to portray oh, this man. drawn out playboy drunk. Uh, like he did in Leaving Las Vegas, where he's like, yeah, I just played alcoholic, so I became an alcoholic for the film. And I was like, what? <laughs> but yeah, him an no. Oscar. Exactly. <laughs> he should give his liver an Oscar, too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Again, jokingly, but also seriously, I, I would have loved to see Nick Cage as Iron Man just because I love Nick Cage. So what what do you think? I agree with you 100%. I love Nick Cage because I know he's will go for it. Uh, I do love a lot of Nick Cage movies, uh, whether they're action or drama. I'm a huge fan of The Family Man, which I think is mm. uh, an amazing Christmas movie. I think he's great in it. It just makes me like so happy every time I watch it. But I think he has like the just like the guts to just be ridiculous, and that might yeah. what, I think that's what he needs to be, to be uh, Tony Stark. So you know, obviously, again, it's easy to like just assume Robert Downey Jr. is well. He is the best in this role, but Look, he yes. Robert Downey Jr. is a perfect, it's perfect casting. He's, he's literally born to play the character. He's arguably not acting. He's just being himself. 
So exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But uh, having Nick Cage do it, it would have been, I would have watched it. It would have been fun. I'd, like oh, visually yeah. speaking, appearance wise, I don't know if um, I, I you know Nick Cage is a handsome man. I don't think he's handsome enough to play Tony Stark, who we know is supposed to be like this playboy guy. Are you are you um, dissing Nick Cage right now? <laughs> maybe a little. This bit. seems like an attack a little bit. Uh, no, like an uh, well, a little bit of an attack. I do want to go back to Timothy Oliphant, which I I think that might work better than Nick Cage. I think he's, uh, I think he looks the part, and I think that he has some quippiness to him that is maybe a little underrated. Yeah. I, I'm he was too busy doing Hitman at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I know you're not a big fan of The Office, but uh, he does have a small role in The Office for about a few episodes, and he's well, pretty see, funny I, in those. Few I wouldn't episodes. know that because I stopped watching after I decided it's the worst <laughs> show of all time. So. Oh no! All right. Well, I I don't know why I brought that up because I need that for your reaction. <laughs> but regardless, he's pretty good in it for the short time he's in it. Uh, let's move to our last section here. Let's let's form some ranks. pretty easy one for you to rank i want you to rank iron man one two and three for me what do you rank them in order from uh, well obviously not no worst to best oh okay because well, i think i well i guess we know that iron man one's the best so out of <laughs> iron man two and well, three see, i was about worse? to make a joke about iron man two being a masterpiece but then you said worst <laughs> to best and then it actually still would have been number one so <laughs> let me just restructure that but yes iron man one is the best uh that's pretty easy it's pretty easy choice and Iron Man 3, in my opinion, is pretty easily in the number two slot for the trilogy. I actually think Iron Man 3 is pretty good. It's uh, mm. it's in my top 15 MCU. I enjoy Ooh. it. Um, I, I really like the Mandarin plot twist, especially because like they very quickly after released like a Marvel one-shot saying that he wasn't the true Mandarin. Um, it was on the Blu-ray of Captain America Winter Soldier, um, which is kind of a weird place to put it, but yeah. So, I don't know. I wasn't too broken up by it just because it's really mm-hmm. funny. I like Shane Black. Um, but it's definitely flawed. Uh, Guy Pierce in that movie is, uh, like, he's he's in a different film. I, I don't know what he's in. He he thinks he's in, like, a... I, th- I think he thinks he's in, like, a erotic, like, Cronenberg thri- thriller with <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, I, I genuinely oh, don't funny. understand what's going on with that. That's fair, Everybody that's else is in a buddy cop film, and he's just on another planet but iron man 2 is uh a disaster um it is bad other than introducing don Cheadle, who i like and robert Downey jr obviously being charming and gwyneth paltrow being charming iron man 2 is like an abomination of an yeah. action film and i oh, i hate yeah. it oh man i hate it uh it's my second least favorite uh marvel film so yeah this Iron Man is a series of epic highs and epic lows, <laughs> to say as the least. Archie Andrews from Riverdale would say. The epic oh, highs wow. and lows of giving a Riverdale football. reference in here. The best line of all time. You're making fun of me for The Office, and you just quoted Riverdale right now. I want you to take that, like, write that down. <laughs> uh, come that, on, uh... you know that the epic highs and lows of high school football is the greatest line ever uttered <laughs> on screen. Okay, <laughs> clearly. Uh, that's fair. Um, yeah, this is a pretty easy ranking. I think uh, one, three, two. Two Iron Man two, and I, I've said this before, and I'm gonna say it again. Whew. Was my worst theater experience I think I've ever had. I saw it at midnight, and it was a midnight showing. This is when midnight showings are still really big; that they only showed movies at midnight, and mm-hmm. now they show them like at eight p.m. on Thursday night um, or six p.m. <laughs> or six. They show them crazy early. Yeah, this was midnight only. This was back in the day where uh, seats were not reserved. 
uh, you is first come first serve. You know, buy mm-hmm. your tickets. I'm pretty sure they oversold the theater. I uh, got in the theater like midway through. Had to sit in the very front. I didn't even have my own seat. I had to sit between oh, two people. God. And I was like sitting on like the armrest basically with like a cup holder. It was very uncomfortable. And then the movie started playing, and it just made everything worse. It was just so bad. I, I, I it's just so crazy to think that. Iron Man one so good, and they just... I don't know what they were doing with Iron Man 2. There are... Yeah. I'm glad they introduced Rhodey, and I like Don Cheadle a lot, and War Machine was cool, but man, that movie was just not good. Alright, so, I got one for you, Joe. Uh, this isn't explicitly MCU-related, but it is Robert Downey Jr.-related. Okay, um, okay. Give me your Give me your top four Robert Downey Jr. performances. Or movies. Well, I guess, let's say performances. So, like, Iron Man would be, like, one role throughout all of the MCU films. Yeah, that's fair. Because, you know, I could just say Iron Man, Endgame, blah, 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 blah. Let Mm -hmm. me think here. Probably Doolittle's at the top of that list. Ooh, that gas. Yeah, I'm thinking The best film ever made. Yeah, Due Date is up there. Is it Due Date? What's the one with uh, Zach Galifianakis? Is Due Date? Yeah. It is Due Uh, Date. Top four... Um, performances. So I think I should start with Iron Man, put it at one, because I think, okay. like we mentioned earlier, he's just built for that role, born for the role. He no is, one else truly. could do it as great as he did it. But now I'm going to go backwards. My number four, I'm going to put... This is kind of hard, but I'm going to put Kiss Kiss Bang Bang at number four. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. I like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang a lot. Uh, I think the movie is really underrated. I think a lot of people need to check it out. I think it's absolutely fantastic. At number three... I'm going to put Zodiac. I think Zodiac Ooh, is really... Like the heaters. Heaters. I've grown to love Zodiac more and more over the recent months. I was kind of a... I'll be honest. I was kind of like a Zodiac-like just critic. I was like, no, man. Zodiac oh, sucks. Man. Glad no. you came around on it because I'd have to leave the podcast right now. <laughs> and then I rewatched it recently and I've been reading more about it and just kind of like talking it out and like, you know, having this inner battle with myself. And mm-hmm. yeah, that, that movie's is uh pretty amazing and fantastic and rdj is great in that so zodiac is at number three at number two i'm going tropic thunder i think tropic thunder is like yes, close to being yes, number one close to being number one it, I know it might be his best recently. performance it really might i know i'm defaulting iron man number one but yeah like you said i mean tropic thunder could easily be his best performance that movie i know Got him an oscar it recently it it is wow how good that movie is and how it continues to just get better and better and better so yeah the satire in tropic thunder is just unbelievable and it is so (laughs) it's the best critique of hollywood and all their bs ever it's just it's just incredible and he's amazing in it okay so i'm just gonna go exclusively performance i'm not gonna be movie i guess um his performance in the film so Number four, uh, in terms of just performance, I'm going to go Zodiac. Okay. Okay. Now, film-wise, it's probably my favorite of the bunch that I'm going to mention here. But his role in the film, it's, you know, he's he's like one one of three main characters, I guess. Um, He's really good in that. And uh, came out the year before Iron Man. It's kind of like the start of his resurgence, you know. Yeah. The the Shaggy Dog 2006, that really started it. And then... um, (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, three in terms of performance. Um, I'm actually going to go Iron Man, okay? I'm going to okay, go Iron Man okay. three. 
And this is across all the MCU. I do believe this is the role he was born to play. He became the highest paid actor in Hollywood. He became the biggest star in the world because of being Iron Man. He shepherded this giant franchise into fruition. And without him being Iron Man, I don't think it works. You know, you could get Tom Cruise, the biggest movie star in the world in 2008, or I guess maybe not in 2008, but one of the biggest movie stars in the world. And it wouldn't have become the MCU. So he's truly born to play that. I really love him as Iron Man, obviously. But number two, I'm going Tropic Thunder, like you. It's just an incredible role, and it's very clear that Robert Downey Jr. is like, I, I need to showcase that I am an extremely talented person, and that role is just... It, he walks probably the thinnest line in the history of movie making, like, genuinely. Like, if you make that movie and the tone is not perfectly right and the, like, satire is not, like, right on the money... It would be arguably the most offensive oh, performance yeah. of all oh, yeah. time. But it's like what the film is going at after is so specific, but it nails it and he nails it. And you hear other actors talk about it like uh, as some one of their favorite performances. And so that's a great performance. And then number one, I'm going Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I think it's his best performance. Oh, um, okay. Okay. He plays, uh, basically he plays an idiot which is kind of against, I would say against type a little bit for him. Like he's kind of always the genius in the room. Like he plays Sherlock Holmes and Iron Man. And I really love those Sherlock Holmes films. His performance is fine in it, but he's totally enjoyable as films. I like those a lot, but his performances is kind of just fine. He's, you know, smartest person in the room. And in Tropic Thunder, he's this genius actor. And in Zodiac, he's this great reporter. But in like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, he's kind of an idiot bumbling criminal who chopped his own finger off in a door like he's 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 dumb but he's still so charming and his comedic timing is so great and i just think it's from start to finish his best performance the russian roulette scene where he's asking like where is the girl and like he's like i only put one round in he's like one round who He's like eight percent, one out of six. He's like, who who taught you math? Val Kilmer's going at him. It's like the funniest <laughs> scene ever. It's just such a great, such a great film. He's so good in that, and I think um I think it's his best. But yeah. Okay, so I can see that. So to recap, my top four Robert Downey Jr. performances are four Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, three Zodiac, two Tropic Thunder, one Iron Man. And your list is? Yeah, at number four, mine is Zodiac, again, based on performance. Three is Iron Man, so across the MCU. Two is Tropic Thunder. And one is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So we had the same movies, just different just order. Just flip-flops. And, okay, okay. Yeah. I think the other one you could throw in there is, I guess, like Chaplin. Uh, of course, he got an Academy Award nominee for that, for playing Charlie Chaplin. I haven't seen that, so I can't say, but I'm sure other people would probably include that but yeah what about chef he was in chef for like a few minutes yeah you know, i have not seen chef Pedro. whoa you should watch chef you love i chef. know it's it's been on my watch list for like literally forever and it's just one of those where i'm like oh yeah i'll get to that soon and then it's like oh a year has gone by from that <laughs> oh yeah it's just a metaphor for john favreau's career and what he wants in life i think yeah yeah. Or what, what I think he wants in life. But anyways, okay, we have reached basically the end. My last question for you as my first guest of MCU May. Mm-hmm. Just give us quickly, what are your top four MCU movies? All right, so I'm just going to give really brief honorable mentions. Okay. Um, just, okay. On, just on the outside looking in. Iron Man 1 is just on the outside looking in there. Uh, Black Panther, just on the outside looking in. Ooh, okay. okay. Um, I really like Spider-Man Far From Home. I really like Avengers Endgame. 
I really like WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, which are obviously not films, but are in the MCU, so they're close, I would say. Yeah, I agree. They're in the area. But number four, I'm going Thor Ragnarok. Nice. Um, this is a film that has continued to grow on me every time I revisit it. I liked it fine the first time I saw it. I thought it was funny, but stupid and forgettable. And then I rewatched it and I was like, this is actually like one of the funniest comedies the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's genuinely yeah. hilarious. It finally figures out what you need to do with Thor to make him work in a film because the first two Thor movies like are terrible. They're Not so bad. And they really just couldn't figure out what to do with Thor. He was just boring God, just not fun at all. But they figure him out here. And it's it's so great. It's basically like a 70s rock opera song as a movie. If you could like translate a rock opera to a film, that's what it would be, in my opinion. Excellent. Uh, I, said, I just yeah. I love that. Looking forward to Thor Love and Thunder so bad. And that title just alone makes me realize, no, that it's going to be a great movie. It will be. Number three, I'm going Avengers 1. Okay, okay. It To me, no Avengers film will top this. Uh, again, so I, it's a perfect time for me to see it. Um, I was 14. So, you know, I had been with the series, you know, for a couple years at this point. I had seen it. And to see these characters meet was just unbelievable. I love that. I love this film so much. I hate that the director of it is a piece of trash. But yeah, I can't yeah. deny the fact that I love this film and I love the way all the characters interact. Using Loki as the first big villain for them to fight is so perfect because it lo- allows for the stakes to get continually higher. It's still a huge, you know, big thing. Earth is in danger, but it's they tease Thanos at the end, who I'll be real. I didn't know who he was at the yeah, end of the yeah, movie yeah. when I saw it, even though I knew comics. I didn't I knew comics a little bit. I didn't know who Thanos was, but... Yeah, it's just a great team-up action movie. It hasn't gotten better than that, in my opinion. Um, number two, I'm going Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. Um, Good choice. I do have a Good soft choice. spot for Guardians 2. I think I, I'm due for a rewatch because on my list I'm looking at it. It's pretty low, but I don't know. I, I think that's wrong. Maybe I was just in a bad mood. But the, <laughs> the first film I remember seeing, and I, again, I feel like kind of nobody knew who these characters were. Like I oh, certainly had zero idea uh, yeah. who these guys were. I didn't know a single character. I, I hardly knew any of the actors, really. Like, Chris Pratt, I didn't really know who he was because I hadn't watched Parks and Rec yet. I watched it because of this movie. But um, I remember seeing it, and my mom is not a big fan of these films, but she took us to see it, and she was like, okay, so when do you guys want to see it again? Because that was great. <laughs> like, It's probably the biggest, I would say the best crowd pleaser in any of the Marvel films. The jokes just hit they're yeah. so great and then that soundtrack like everyone talks about it it's one of the best-selling albums of all time the soundtrack is so good i have it on vinyl like i just go back to it all the time it's just such a great movie i i revisit it all the time even when i'm not doing any marvel marathoning which i think is the true for all four of these films that i'm choosing but i love that one and i'm talking way too long about my list but uh <laughs> number one i'm going uh captain america winter soldier um, oh yeah Perfect it's choice. the best, and it's the only film in the series that I would consider to be a perfect movie. I think yeah. this is a perfect spy action thriller. There are hardly any jokes in this film, and I'm not somebody who thinks, as you can tell by my top four, who thinks that there shouldn't be jokes in comic book films, but the tone is perfectly nailed here. It is just, yeah. it is a tactile, boots on the ground for the most part, very film, and it deals with a ton of themes. It really 
unlocks the Steve Rogers character, which they hadn't really done up until that point. They introduced Falcon, Anthony Mackie, who I really like. Great relationship with Steve. Black Widow is at her best. Scarlett Johansson is so, so charming in this film. It's so great. And they bring Bucky Barnes back. They bring uh, Sebastian Stan back into the fold as the Winter Soldier, who's, you know, by the fact that he got his own TV show along with Falcon, is one of the most interesting characters in the MCU. Um, and, uh, you know, the Hydra plot um, is really great at that time, uh, really well executed as well. Um, and yeah. it's, it's, it is the MCU film I've watched the most. I can turn it on at any point and be totally engaged. The action is just incredible. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I love it. That's my number one. An excellent top four. I think that's pretty solid. I don't think there are any movies I would... No, there's a couple I would swap with in my top four. Mm-hmm. So your list is pretty similar to mine. I want to go through mine very quickly. We sure, have some. Sure. We have some similarities for sure. Outside looking in, Iron Man 1 yep. and Avengers 1. Or Avengers Assemble, oh, as you just taught me. Yeah. Those are my two. Oh, and Endgame. All three of those movies are just outside the top four. Gotcha. My top four, though, is going to go four, Guardians of the Galaxy. For everything that you said, mm-hmm. honestly, I think that 90% of the people who were probably skeptical about this movie because they had no idea what it was about. No one yeah. knew these characters. And then, obviously, the trailer was extremely well done. Did a very good job. Oh, the trailer was incredible. One of the best trailers ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it did a really good job preparing everybody for, you know, a universe that we had not seen yet and characters we hadn't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Um, number three... I'm going to go Thor Ragnarok, which we've talked mm-hmm. about as well. Number two, I'm going Black Panther, which I yes, know was sir. just on your number yes, five sir. on the cusp before. I think that, uh, I think like you think, gets a lot of hate, and I don't know exactly why. I don't understand it. Well, I do understand it. I don't want to bring a lot of those conversations in here because it's really toxic. Really toxic and uh, really just... Uh, pathetic um yes, yeah 100 percent. we both yeah. know why people I mean, that's totally wrong me to say i know exactly why people hate on it it's just mm-hmm. for a really inane and just terrible reasons and like i said toxic um but i think it's as a movie it has everything i want the world building is yep. fantastic the villains are great the action's just so i just so much I love about that movie top three if not number one best villain in the mcu i love killmonger you know it's just there's so much love about that movie the soundtrack rips so good oh my goodness um, so i love black panther uh number one though like you give me winter soldier every day i yes. adore that movie so much it's just it doesn't even feel like an mcu movie at times because the tone's so different mm-hmm. and that's part of why i love it so much i think it it does have its small comedic moments but man that movie is just choreographed so well the fight scenes are great I'm really excited for Shang-Chi because I hope it has maybe similar vibes to Winter Soldier. Yeah, Shang-Chi looks really good. That trailer looks really interesting. And yes. I'm just I'm ready for a full-on martial arts epic. Same here. And with Same the here. budget and scale of the MCU. I mean, if you think about it, we've like never got a martial arts film with a budget like that. Like yeah. ever. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited for it, but that's how I rank my top four. It'll be funny because I'm gonna be having other guests this month, so I'm gonna be talking about everybody's top four, and at the end we'll compare everybody's together and see what uh, where everybody lies. I think that a lot of people may have some movies, you know, crossing over, but uh, yeah, some some surprises. So this has officially marked the end of today's episode on Iron Man and the MCU. Our first MCU episode. Nate, thank you so much for being here and discussing Absolutely. everything MCU. True pleasure. Please remind everybody where we can find you on social media. I got you. Well, you can find me at all things reviewed underscore on Instagram. Um, that's where I post 
you know, my reviews, thoughts on things. Been a little bogged down with grad school recently, so I haven't posted uh, like in about a, a week or two. But um, getting going to get back into it soon. Going over, uh, doing a retrospective on the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy. Perfect. Um, so then, I'm excited about that. You can also follow me on Letterbox at NH Spencer. Um, that's where you can see where I log all my films. Most of my lists are public, and you can just uh, yeah follow me on there. Yeah, and I can testify that. Your all your movies that pop up in recent watches, either I've seen them and I love them, or I haven't seen them and then I watch them and I love them. So it's a really good person to follow. <laughs> well, that is a deep compliment. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, usually if you put one star on it, it's a pretty good indicator. It's not great. So just uh, keep that in mind. But um, yes, a great person to follow on Letterbox if you need good recommendations. Uh, you can find House of Cinema on social media at House of Cinema, basically on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Next week, I'll no be MySpace. Back. No MySpace. No, no MySpace. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll make one and put, uh, well, I'll put you my top eight, and then you can be in my there you top go. eight. And then I'll put a I'm going to cool pretend song. like I actually know how MySpace works. <laughs> well, let me tell you, that's a whole different podcast. Really <laughs> dating myself really hard right there, but. <laughs> it's like I dating myself by knowing everything <laughs> about it, so don't worry. Um, next week, we'll be back. New MCU episode. Uh, Nate will likely be back in the near future. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. 